0: And we're back. This is G.I. Joe Berg, episode 281 Operation Wingfield. Last week, we recorded a podcast. We had some unfinished business, and Paul said, Well, why don't we do it next week? And I thought to myself, Well, that's a very, very good idea. <laughs> but who am I? My name is Steve. I do have said criminal Paul waiting in the box. Come out the box, Paul. Come, come, come. Paulie, hello. There you
1: Paulie. are. <laughs> operation Wingfield. Operation Wingfield. <laughs> Who else is joining so, us tonight, Steve? Yeah,
0: it's not a two-hander. There are three of us in attendance. Our third member of this operation goes by the name Rob. Hello, Rob. Hey, it's me. I've joined the
2: show. Wow. Two weeks in a row, guys. What's happening? Is it 2022 again?
0: <laughs> so return to old form. Yes, listeners, you've been treated to G.I. Joe Berg twice now. But there's a reason for this. Um, Paul, you said that Operation Wingfield demanded some special attention. Issue number four of the A-Raw comic from 1982, I'm going to say. Gosh, I should have the date in front of me. But anyways, it is part of that initial first batch of issues, sort of proto-G.I. Joe. And this one has a few notable aspects. We're going to get into it. But at its heart, it is a paramilitary organization on American soil, which has somehow come into possession of not one, but two nuclear weapons, Mm -hmm. a means to deliver it to a target in the USSR. And uh, I suppose the, the, the the countdown has begun. Can GI Joe get to the mystery of this, this crazed camp of military lunatics, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> before it's too late, before the finger moves to its fateful position on the little red button and presses it. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, before midnight happens, you know. Um, <laughs> dudes, but how you guys been? Coming... Oh
3: yeah. yeah that.
2: <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> I, I want to like... know how your weeks been. I mean, I, I know we're very excited to kind of like rush into this, but like, how's the week been, guys? What's what's going so on glad, in Rob,
1: I'm so glad Rob is the one asking this. Thanks, man. Amazing. I'm 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 going to start just because I'm already talking. Um, it's been a pretty cool week. It's been a pretty cool week for me. Um, I got some some good news uh, in the form of the people that I rent the this my apartment from. Um, they actually asked us if we'd be interested in buying it. Wow. Uh, so that's that's possibly going down. Um, we haven't had wow. numbers or anything shared. They just asked if we we're interested, and I was like yes because they they. They would ask the tenants first, so that was cool. So that's kind of biggish news. <laughs> uh, Celia kicked some serious ass with her new job. Uh, that was pretty amazing. Hell yeah! On yeah, it's pretty awesome stuff. And um, yeah, like shame, like she. It was a good win for her, and and it was it's really really cool. Then oh, um, awesome. my business partner from GI Job, uh, GI Jobberg, <laughs> business partner from Gunplay SA. Uh, he was in Taiwan. And yeah, he just came back and he brought me a few goodies from Taiwan, which is really awesome. The cool thing is, it's actually nothing uh, like very little new stuff. Uh, but his brother was getting rid of all of his old Gundam stuff, so he basically donated it to Jeff and myself. And so we got a whole bunch of new Gundam kits, which is pretty cool. Um, so that was pretty rad. And yeah, we went paintballing yesterday. So kind of like kind of an eventful what? week.
0: <laughs> yeah, paintballing you could have led with that yeah. that's big cool man yeah so that's the coolest news of all yeah how'd, how'd it go
1: t- did you win you um winner? yeah but winner? like dude, it's, it's not really it, they're kind of uh shallow or hollow victories because it's my friend's little brother's birthday so it's a bunch of like 12 year olds and okay. so, <sighs> so uh, no, that, that's still a win my dude that's still yeah a win. so like like the thing is I was trying to push that the kids were mostly on our side because I didn't want to shoot at children. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, like like the little dudes they kicked butt, man. It was fun. It was good times. Hey, it's a gas. Wow. Um sorry, just you just jumped into the, the comments now. That's awesome. You jumped That's
0: in. Gaz. Damn. Hello um, Gaz. Yeah. Welcome, Berg Force Man. Welcome. But that was fun, I man. That was I, really fun. Mm. I spent the last couple of days in Sydney needed to get my greek passport renewed and they've got a consulate general in sydney a consulate general in perth in canberra in melbourne (laughs) in brisbane so i was gonna fly up just for the day um get it all done have my uh interview and hand in my documents and photographs and all that jazz But no, we decided, let's make a family trip of it. (laughs) Fortunately, we have have family there. So we had a place to stay, and that was fun. It's nice to meet some extended family of Kim's. Um, She said that we were going to arrive on Tuesday and leave on Saturday. Cool. So come Saturday, I learn via Facebook group that there is a toy show, like a toy convention on Saturday. Ooh. and I'm, oh, I'm shit. flipping my wig I'm like this is awesome I love the idea of going to a big toy show and basically having a hunt like rummaging through bins for treasure which is something that you can't do online you can you can buy pretty much everything there is uh, for a price online and it kind of takes the fun out of things the opportunity mm. to go to a place physically and see what there is to buy that really excites me and, and Sets my inner child alight. Ah! <laughs> I'm a child. I'm a child. Um, so I was <laughs> I was excited at the prospect of this. Then I researched it and it says on the website, oh, it's on Sunday. So I'm like, oh Aww. man. And I, I pick a bone with the guy who posted it and said, uh, do you know it's on Sunday, mate? And then without You're telling me, he just he, he just he just edited this post. So I was like, oh, now I look like an idiot. Um, don't you hate it when that happens, guys? Yeah, you should have Someone's... screenshotted it and shared it and be
2: like, "Look at this moron! Doesn't even know when his oh, own shows oh, oh. on." Yeah, that would no. be going
1: full Karen. No, you it's, you did good. That's go what me. I would have done.
2: But then
0: that I would we're, have at, done that. we're at the mall on Saturday, just getting some, I suppose, treats for Elliot in his lunchbox before we board the flight. Kim is going online to check us in, and she's like, "Hang on." We're leaving on Sunday. I cocked up oh. the dates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like immediately. Karen. Yeah, dude. I I flip out. I'm like, yes, I could go to the toy show. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Let's go see the toys. Sorry. Yeah. But um I I, I couldn't get a ride there. I, I tried asking oh. guys in that Joe group because it's it's a one and a half hour train ride away from where I was staying. Oof. That's a three-hour, a three-hour round trip on public transport on a Sunday, when I'm not entirely certain of the, the train schedule. I'm mean, sure you can ask Google, but like there are delays all the time, and with a flight at the end of the day. So I'm, I just, I, I yeah, I, uh, I didn't have the nerve to go through with it, even after fate handed me a softball. If we had a car at our disposal, different story. But I also didn't have the nerve to ask the family, "Hey guys, can I?" Borrow one of your luxury cars for a, for a, you know about four hours. <laughs> yeah, not going to happen. So, uh, unfortunately, a tale of woe. In the end, <laughs> I'm sorry. What an anti climax. But Sydney's great. It's a it's a phenomenal place. It's um, really this this hub of like waterways, a, a port, like a, a commercial port and a pleasure port, and beaches and cities and airport, and it's just it reminds me of New York in a sense. Mm. You know, that kind of integration with water and also having everything like skyscrapers and okay, well, at least Sydney also has in addition to all that, like nice beaches. So, it's 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 epic and busy. Yeah. We've, 10 out of 10, we'll recommend. <laughs> well done, Sydney. You, you put on a good show. In fact, the one you night did day, this it. was like crazy light show installation actually it's it's going to be running for weeks but it's called vivid and it was we were there on vivid. the first night so there were some pretty cool fireworks elias was on my shoulders saying
2: more fire more fire
0: Aww. he wanted more it's very exciting fire i wanted to shout at the top of my lungs Super spreader event. (laughs) (laughs) We were elbow to elbow with lots of people in the same spot that um, like historically, I think this is where Australia's brush with COVID started. It's like a port of entry in the middle of Sydney, which disembarked a ship full of of like COVID patients, basically. Like before the authorities (laughs) had a firm enough handle on like border restrictions. And um, hotel quarantine and all that stuff. These people were kind of released into the population, and that's that's kind of ground zero for where COVID started in in this here country. So, uh, Australia's Wuhan, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, but I, I I go against my urge of like saying deliberately like I don't know caustic shit because Kim Kim gives me a hard time about it. She's like, you don't always have to speak your mind, Stephen. Like. Don't play devil's advocate. I don't like hearing it. Like, you're the doctor. Surely this shit should be going through your mind, too. Anyway, I'm glad Nash, we've reached a sense of normalcy. You're an anarchist. <laughs> I don't know, man. I guess I, I have these urges and I can't really keep them at bay. Like, I want to rub people up the wrong way and see what they do. Bad, bad Stephen. But if I, I resisted. You'd be I'll fuck up both of you. Yeah. you sound I took like ship be back a in it. I saw for that. A... Sorry, Rob, continue. A good oh, no, 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 right.
2: no. I was getting ready to segue us into the comic book.
0: <laughs> Very fine.
2: good. No, but Are but Rob I should be Vance
0: view. Wingfield.
2: Oh, Wingfield. No, what? sorry, I, I'm confused now. We're all talking.
0: Are you telling me I'm a good candidate for playing Vance Wingfield?
2: <laughs> well, or for that sort of, sort of like. Um, Oh, I don't even know where I'm going anymore. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you guys threw me off my off my woody oh, train.
1: Boy.
0: Oh
3: dear, and, uh, we
1: don't <laughs> want As you asked us how we are, how are you, dude? What have you been up to, man? Like, was it a good week? Are you oh, cool, this week are you- ah,
2: it, was, it was an okay week. Um, unfortunately last Sunday my 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 glasses uh, uh kind of broke, so I've had to oh, fix gosh. them with a, a paperclip the whole week. Um, so I went Tuesday to get uh eye test. And like you know, oh, how, how how long will it take to actually you know get new glasses? I thought it's been over like fifteen years since I last got glasses, so I thought it has to go faster than it used to. You know, it can't hmm. take two weeks. No, it takes two weeks. It takes two weeks for them to, to I don't know, like collect the sand, you know, and, and blast <laughs> it into fucking glass, and then make my lenses, you know, individually. That it's like a little. Man in the (laughs) room and he, you know, files it down like this is the right one. Yes, this is the right one. So, yeah, it's going to be another week and a half before I have new glasses. I'm just going to have to look like an idiot. Sarcasm is real, but that's that's (laughs) wrong. Otherwise, yeah, a very relaxing week. Uh, I didn't do much. I've, I've started watching The Mentalist and House, I think I mentioned last time.
3: Oh, yeah, you're um, a housewife now. I forget.
2: Yep, I'm a housewife now. <laughs> um, a housewife of G.I. Joe Berg. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm on season two of both shows now. And it's, it's quite cool. I mean, I never watched them properly when they came out. I think I caught random episodes, so it's nice to kind of, like, binge shows mm. um that you you never watched before it's kind of got me in the mood now to watch other shows i've been in the mood to watch like tv sh- series in in quite a long What's time
1: next rob csi
2: i don't know it's not available on any of the streaming services i law have and so, order, uh, special victims Unit. Oh,
1: i could do well, that uh, okay i mean that's a laugh <laughs> yeah well I, actually okay like um <clears throat> full disclosure pardon me <clears throat> i really
2: dig uh law and order by the way. Oh, no, Law & Order is fantastic. Yeah, um, really if great. I could watch it, I probably would. But I did watch it fairly religiously when it came out. So I'd be, mm. like, skipping a lot of episodes. But, um yeah, otherwise, this week I was wondering, like, we're looking at the old G.I. Joe comic books and we're looking at the end of G.I. Joe. And obviously, last year, G.I. Joe ended the comic book at 300, but it was, you know, it was rumored to be picked up somewhere else. There's still no news about where it's going. Um And we're, like almost halfway through the year and yet there's still no new news regarding like where's user 301
0: going to come out. Have you guys thought about this? Like what's going on? I don't need to think about this. I feel like my opinions <laughs> are fed fed to me by the, like the rotation of podcasts that I listen to. So I'm just going to ah. parrot, uh, I'm going to kind of shotgun, uh, name my sources so that I don't miss anybody, but full force, podcast, anything Joe's podcasts from the pit, talking Joe and audible interlude. So those opinions swathed together in a giant cocktail of opinion uh, well um, I think opinion <coughs> there, there might be if if they were smart if Hasbro was smart about like rising the tide for this brand and raising all ships, they would make the announcement as part of Yojo June. That would be a wonderful, like, additional item, which is not made by Hasbro, but definitely a Hasbro brand, to promote. And it would show Mm -hmm. kind of a... a, just a a bit of teamwork, a bit of cooperation between the brand holders. Like the hasbro team have done this in the past they've spoken a bit about comic books they've spoken a bit about the super seven initiatives and like you know emily's added instagram posts from their booth at san diego comic con and stuff i think it was san diego comic con anyways um <clears throat> so it would be nice ideally also okay. there is a the possibility that it is announced at san diego comic con this year which is in july because larry Harmon just posted that he will be in attendance to do some promotional work. Okay, so that's, that's what, what the general
2: of the, the community right now is that he? Is that uh, we're going to hear soon.
0: We're going to hear He's soon. Holding off. Okay. Well, <laughs> the other <laughs> opinion is just like you say, Rob, and that's, where's this announcement? I mean, Larry's mm. by this stage, I think, three issues deep, maybe more, into scripting of the new run. So, Clearly, they want to have a few books in hand at the launch because, you know, delays do happen. And, um, yeah, <laughs> there are various reasons for that, potentially. Um, I'm not going to name names. But, yeah, maybe they are holding off on on getting the ball rolling for the public until they've got maybe five issues in hand. Or Yojo June, or... Comic Con in July, July uh, whichever comes first. Or
1: oh my <laughs> God. I don't I can't remember the source, but apparently there's there's rumors of a a possibility of a G.I. Joe Transformers movie.
0: Yes. Yeah, I, I saw that, that well. too. And all stems from and I think Full Force alerted me to the fact with their post. Um, mm-hmm. it all stems from the fact that there's a post credits teaser, apparently, in Rise of the Beasts. Oh. All of a sudden, I have an urge to see that film now. Yeah. That that oh wow! Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a reason to watch that movie. Wow. Yeah. This should be a spoiler, though. Um, I feel like I've just run my big mouth. But um, that's, I mean, in order to plug this uh, this this news story leak uh, in time, that is what Paul is referring to. Um, the, the potential for this hybrid G.I. Joe Transformers crossover. Stems from this latest Transformers forthcoming release, well, well, it forthcoming like they... as of recording this podcast.
1: Nice. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I, I've said it before on the show, on many times, uh, on many occasions, that the military sections of the Transformers movies are some of the best GI Joe movies made. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I
2: definitely agree with that the action is always very, very good with the humans, despite I mean, them being completely yeah. superfluous to a Transformers story. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, so maybe GI Joe can can do something or bring something interesting to, or bring interesting energy. But uh, on the topic of GI Joe, why should we, should we see what's happening with uh, Operation Wingfield and why I think it's so important and why I think it's a it's an issue that should have that should get its own spotlight on an episode?
0: Wow. Let's oh, yeah, we're a
2: G.I. All.
0: Joe podcast. I forgot. <laughs> okay, so... Um, <laughs> and not CSI. Lord so, Steve, you're, <laughs> you're not, 100%. not a travel podcast either. Sorry, guys. That's <laughs> no, not man, funny. we have
1: lives. People listen to us because we also, you know, have lives. and you know, have lives. We have very lives, man. We're not, just, we're not just a news agency or something. I'm very lovely. Um, so, Steve was right. This book did come out in October 1982, so that's pretty cool. Hey. Yeah. So Stephen knows this, the the Jabba brain has not failed us on this one yet. <laughs> <It's> crazy, <laughs> the archives. So um, the thing about this I- uh, issue that I find quite fascinating is, it's the fourth issue we've dealt. We've had a Cobra threat recently, and this book starts off and it's got this ugly mug of this dude, and he's all like, you know, listen up, troops, and you know, mega Oh wait, others, you know. can we
0: talk about the Cover? Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about the ugly mug. you want to talk do. about let's the talk cover? About... Well, okay. I wanted to get a distillation of your reason for why we should do this this issue on its own, Paul. But I think you're about to launch into the review. Ah. Yeah, well, okay. Here's my thing. I guess I, only, I, I think... only want to talk about the cover for one reason. Yes. It has nothing to do with the interior. <laughs> <All right. laughs> that too. But it has... Not one, but two potential friendly fire incidents. <laughs> for anyone had one the of those podcast, on Already, oh, Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Kids, huh? Yeah. Um, for anyone listening and not um, fully aware, of it, they don't, don't have the comic book in front of you, this is the cover that is fairly nondescript. It's a, a Milgram and Hall cover. Uh, and it's G.I. Joe tra- just charging at the camera running on like an asteroid, basically. Uh, the first couple of members are a little bit more descriptive than the ones at the back. They quickly kind of fade into obscurity, but working away from front to back, it's it's Hulk with a beret, Snake Eyes looking like Spider-Man with suspenders in black, Scarlet with amazing hair, uh, Stalker rock and roll flash, I'm going to say, and then it just kind of devolves into green shirts. But... Stalker and one of the green shirts is like firing at the Joes in front of them. It's very strange.
2: (laughs) Maybe they're not actually the Joes. I mean, her hair is too good to actually be the real Scarlet.
0: (laughs) Oh, synthoids. Gotcha.
2: Yeah, I think so.
0: Well, um, Mark from Talking Joe actually took the Stalker image and flipped him to correct this Time old, ages old uh, art flub. I mean, assuming it is a flub. Like how look, Paul, you're the artist of the group. How does an artwork get to this stage? Like, do they do each individual character separately? That's not how it was done back then. No, but a traditional probably... approach.
1: Oh, it depends. I mean, it depends on the artist. Uh it could have just been a full spread that was done over uh, roughs, you know, like traced over roughs, you know, on a lightboard. And mm-hmm. uh oh, and and more light box and done like this and then the pencils were approved by the editor and the art director and in the in the 80s it was an editor they probably looked at it and all the other artists looked at it and they were like yeah this is a good page or this is solid we like this or maybe fix this or fix that and then it went back into the light boxing stage and they either did one of two things they handed over to the inker with some notes to say please like adjust knee or whatever's or they just trusted the inker at that time to fix up any mistakes that they pick up in the pencils and then they just approved it once it was done and also the stalker thing it makes a lot of sense to me actually because it points inwards uh, into the composition and as you can see it points into the three characters in the front and also the characters oh on the yeah right kind of, yeah it definitely concrete.
0: points into the three characters it definitely in the front. Does. <laughs> Stalker's oh. just wasted three of the kind of crucial members <laughs> of ga
1: and the thing I is, want to I'm, be in charge I'm willing to wager as well that if you if you had to switch um, stalker around like flip him over it would actually hurt the balance of that page it wouldn't look as nice visually because there's a nice shape that's happening there at the bottom of the page It's like a cool kind of boomerang shape that kind of encapsulates all those characters so you've got the little green shirt from the right uh, with uh, Hawk being the apex of that and then all the way to the left with um, uh, stalker being you know the far left shape of the boomerang is kind of cut off, but it looks good. It's a nice shape. It's a nice sort of delta shape. It's a bit off center, which is nice as well. So there's some clever, you know, some it's it's just old advertising tricks, really, um, to to get people's attention on the book on the pay, uh, on the cover. It's um, for me, I, it's not like my favorite cover. I'm not dissing the cover, but it's not my favorite cover. But I imagine this had quite an impact on shelves, and I imagine that because of the kind of story that was contained within the pages, that they wanted the cover to be kind of generic. Mm, um, misleading. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that it's not just like uh, trying to tell us what's in the book, because that was also, that. that's kind of the Marvel thing, is that covers used to, or Marvel and DC, the covers used to sort of hint at what was inside the book. And I know DC used to do this really irritating thing where they would actually have, text on the book like, will the Joker kill Batman this time or something stupid. Like I used to hate that shit, but um, (laughs) DC used to always do that or what's happening in Robin's pants, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and mystery book. So Marvel used to also kind of do that as well. But Marvel I've always found tries to use these kind of little hints, like, you know, like that famous Spider-Man cover, like Spider-Man no more where he's got the Spidey suit in the trash and he's walking away that tells a story about what's inside the comic. And um, that's just one issue that comes to mind, for example. So this is very generic, you know, An easy fix
2: would have just been not to have muzzle flash on his gun.
1: Yeah, that as well. But the muzzle flash is what helps to point up, uh, to point it. Did they mess up the coloring on stalkers left leg? Or is it just me? Yes. It's 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 inverted. Yeah, it's mm. brown pants with green stripes on that side. Gaz has that- <laughs> just picked up a
0: micro detail on the artwork, which is very impressive. Well done, Gaz. But yeah, I never noticed. But uh, yes, the the camera pattern on Stalker's left leg is like a base color of brown with green splotches on top of the brown, as opposed to what it should be, which is green with with brown on top. <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. Are I love that you've got this. Those... I don't know if we can go through the entire comic book in this fashion, boys. <laughs> no, I don't
1: think we should. We're I think that would, be,
0: every that would be ridiculous.
1: Every page of painting. But I'm so mm-hmm. glad that you zoomed in on this because I've just been inspired Let's by something. That... No, man. <laughs> um No, uh, man. You know, and it's, it's even sh- a shadowed there as to not intimidate the reader. But... Uh, <laughs> uh, I love on Snake Eyes's leg here the highlight that's on the leg that because of the printing process of the 80s it's got a serious dot gain so it's got that um, because that's not zip the the shadow on the leg on the right hand side that's zip I'm sure that that's zip zip is uh, transfer dots that you rub onto the page um, so that's not and that's what you used to do to create gray tones but the one the highlight on the left is just giving me a cool idea for like artworks going forward and i love that, oh, I love yeah. that um, sort of moya pattern is happening with the, the the uh with the dots there anyway oh, uh, that's fine. just
0: that's just a personal pull observation <laughs> this, i'm pleased yeah, that we're of... down on that cover because a lot of people are like "Ah, oh, it's too generic to really speak to me it's not a, a great uh summation of what happens in the issue but there's there's some old school retro gi joe appeal there it's like mm-hmm nobody really knows where this is going so this is totally appropriate as like a kind of a generalist approach to what gi joe is it's hugely patriotic with that faded um old glory stars and stripes in the background bombs mm. bursting in the air to kind of evoke the national anthem and gi joe is there man charging into danger oh, right. danger guns mm. blazing Brilliant. Well, yeah, it's very heroic for, stuff.
2: For a very early issue in a run. It kind of still yeah. grabs your
1: attention on the shelves, on the racks. Also so, exactly, man, and it's a great um eye catcher. Also, and, and this is important for me, when I first got this graphic novel and I was you know, you page through it, you sort of sum through it and you're going through the things. I remember like I don't remember seeing the cover, but I remember going straight to the page where we see old um dude's face over here old wingfield's face should we move on and, to page one let's do it Oof. and uh i remember going oh i'm not in the mood for this and then i sort <laughs> of skipped that, that <laughs> i skipped that whole issue um and i did it a few times until like i read it properly a couple of years back you know i, I, I do this thing uh sometimes it's motivated by steven when he comes in when he used to come to Books. sometimes you would come and borrow my uh graphic novels you know before you had these nice digital versions and stuff to to go through And then that would sometimes inspire me to pick up a book and then just go through them and read and grab a a random issue here and there and go through the graphic novel. And then I actually read this and I was like, oh my word, this, this issue, this issue is special because firstly, I feel like this is the first time they're experimenting with let's not make Cobra the enemy. Okay. Like let's have something that we feel is maybe a real threat and maybe a real threat that could be created by a comic book like this. Like I actually feel that that foresight was there when they wrote this book, when Larry Hama did this and when the editorial team got together in the bullpen and they were figuring this out. I think any mentions of Cobra in this book are actually shoehorned in there. I don't think that was the original idea. I think it was purely to say extremism in any form is bad and something that's interesting about this this issue is that can you guys think of any other books in the line that deal with this kind of thing especially in the original era run like what paramilitary
0: organizations um Mm. yeah you got Mm. me on the spot paul um i'm i'm pretty sure they're out there but this is kind of the most notable one and it happens While the comic book is in its infancy, it's an interesting left turn when you could be establishing Cobra as a villain. Instead, you leave Cobra kind of in amber, as it were, like there's no need to further the Cobra story. Let's point G.I. Joe at another threat Um, because G.I. Joe is something special. They're not like traditional armed forces who deal with Mm. external threats. This is something that like, the CIA would be involved in or the FBI. Mm -hmm. Like this is a kind of a domestic threat. Which is something that, you know, strictly speaking, the military should not be involved in in dealing with um a paramilitary organization. Yeah, man. This is scary. And it speaks to the world we live in actually. It was true of the eighties. It's it seems almost truer now. Like we're living in a shadow of like a time when the White House was occupied. So (laughs) <laughs> it's this scary is... stuff. It's topical. They didn't yeah. have nuclear weapons, fortunately. Thank God. But, um, but but Vance's Strike First initiative is different to most paramilitary organizations in one key aspect, and that's mm-hmm. the fact that when domestic paramilitaries in the United States are all about protecting America against terrorists, uh, both Within and without the United States, these guys are accepting assistance from terrorists. Like yeah, they're
1: a new Voldemort, yeah.
0: Well, he's he's clearly got connections to Cobra. Well, that's what's implicated in this yeah. issue. It's never it's never fully exposed. We never see any Cobra agents skulking about making deals with the the Strike First lunatics, but there are really high tech tanks, and how it's explained that they have nuclear weapons. Well, Cobra. So yeah. these guys are not um, not against making deals with the devil to further bear, their aims.
1: Well, I suppose that's true of any like, terrorist organization or paramilitary organization, really. I mean, the ends justify the means, usually.
0: It, it, yeah. Is a domestic sort of paramilitary organization going to accept um, arms from ISIS? That's, that's the equivalent in our world. Well, I mean, and that's the. No. That's not going to happen. Surely, maybe it would. We I don't know. know. We know we're not part of paramilitary organizations, <laughs> so, so we can only speculate. Um, they, they've got enough guns. They don't need to accept any from uh, foreign terror groups. Well, the thing uh, that's interesting,
1: yeah. I mean, like this book is also very clever in that it knows that it's treading on some dangerous ground. So firstly, as I mentioned earlier, Cobra, the, the Cobra thing has been shoehorned in. And the reason I, I I feel so strongly about that is because Larry Harmer has, and we know this from the silent issue, Larry Harmer uh, comes from that old school um, style of comic book paneling and storytelling where a reader should be able to know what's going on just by looking at the panels without having to read the speech bubbles. And that's I, I've, I've always found that to be like incredibly good advice when it comes to creating comic books because it's advice that's still followed today and so there is no as you mentioned there's no cobra agents no cobra uniforms no cobra symbols in this book at all which tells me that initially they did it and at the very end they went wait guys call the letterer we need to change some of the speech bubbles we need to add cobra has got this or this comes Mm -hmm. from cobra or whatever because I think I think somebody very important in Marvel's uh, (laughs) shareholders read this and went, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, no. And and I think they even went as far as they could to try and make this paramilitary group look ridiculous. I mean, Ryan Sweeney just, uh, I mean, uh, Gaz just uh, commented now on bold choice in facial hair, and I (laughs) agree with that. It's a mustache-twirling villain, Okay, pretty much. That's that's pretty much right. So, like, that is aviators
0: and an M sixteen, which makes it a very kind of uh, counterculture, subversive image, isn't it? He's got yeah, exactly the the quintessential American gun and aviators to make him look like he stepped off the set of Mash, not Chips. That one, Chips. That's the acronym. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's an interesting kind of like. I don't know. And then we got
1: (laughs) Carry on. It's anachronistic. I don't know. (laughs) No,
0: (laughs) no, just it hits you in the face. Like, is this the mm. good guy, the bad guy? Should we have sympathy for his cause? Mm.
1: It's just really goofy. And the whole book, if you go through, (laughs) like, as we go through it again, you'd have no sympathy for this. So they were very careful to write this paramilitary group in a way that doesn't evoke sympathy, you know. Cobra has. I, an I don't know if I
0: agree with that. Like, apart from really? him, okay. apart yeah. from Vance, the rest of his organization seem to be like there's there's sympathy for the guy who flies the plane, Carruthers, oh. and there's sympathy, obviously, for Sherry because she she has the heel turn at the eleventh hour. Well, let, let me rephrase. We don't, there's not we a ball readers... of baddies. It's all yes. focused on this guy, this lunatic. Yeah, he's got his finger on the button.
1: But uh, yeah, let me rephrase, we don't have any sympathy for their cause for Uh, the cause that's uniting these quote unquote innocent people or victims of this kind of cult mentality. Um, That's what I mean. Sorry, Steve.
0: Uh, Mm. Yeah, of course. And I also need to to just put the brakes on ever so slightly because this is the first of the era run to not have its plot delivered by Larry. This is a Herb Trimpy illustrated and issue so he had creative reigns over everything uh larry came in to do the scripting so right. the words are larry's but everything else the, the the story beats the way it's illustrated that's all herb sweet
1: sorry mm-hmm. i just saw larry Homer's script and i just figured well he probably wrote it anyway like um you gotta meet the yeah. guy which, and I mean and you that.
0: you tip me off, Paul, to the possibility that maybe Herb had this plot, you know, in mind for years before G.I. Joe was even a thing, and just looking for a vehicle to push it off into. Um I kind of maybe feel G.I. G.I. Joe like offered mm. the perfect opportunity, or maybe he came up with it one weekend while he was on G.I. Joe and pitched it to Larry and said, Larry, you 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 take take the month off. I got this one. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, you never know what happens. You've been working book. really you hard. Could have been, could have been sick. He could have been moving an apartment. He could have something could have happened. So, like you know, there's always a Plan B with these things, and this was the Plan B book, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe this book was even like considered before the run even started. As well, let's consider different villains, you know, for for GI Joe. Like, let's not just have Cobra. What what other villains can we have for for GI Joe? So let's try a paramilitary group. You know and see how that flies and and maybe maybe we'll have different pal- paramilitary groups throughout America you know that are being funded by Cobra or something you know
0: well up, up until about issue twelve it was always monster of the week stuff, so the mm-hmm. those initial issues can be read in any order there's no issue to issue continuity yeah they oh, are oh, I lied. <laughs> there's, the, there's the obvious <laughs> exception there's a two parter uh, i forget um the the stuff in Afghanistan with uh, the October guard mm. that stuff is a handover. But yeah, if you take that as one story arc, that can be shuffled to any point in the order as well within the first 12 issues.
1: Also, there's mm. like, and if we go into page two, just because I think uh, the viewers of the YouTube channel might get a bit uh, bored of seeing this man's face, we get to <laughs> this cool spread here where... We just see who this guy is. And I mean, clearly he's Dr. Eggman. This is before he started torturing Sonic. But this guy is like, like immediately like slaps you in the face. This is a cult leader. You know, this is like, um, you know, Mr. Mm. Kool-Aid cult himself. It's very, very hectic. Like the way, the words that he used, you know, the first, uh, first file by the numbers, proceed downrange, taking uh, evasive action on the double, move out. He's like pretending to be a, a military guy. He's not speaking with the same kind of authority that we've seen the Joes speak with, you know, when they go through things. Because we we had a little bit of a, you know, the Joes, you know, military chatter before this. We also have the guy that gets shot in the leg um, because he's just like, this guy's exerting his power like a total bully. And, you know, and then he turns around and he goes, no, we knew the risk when he joined. He's just going to have to make do with field dressing and some aspirin. It's like,
0: no, dude. Drop some dirt in it.
1: Yeah, it's like, don't be a hardcore <laughs> asshole. like and and that should tell you that this guy is full of abuse so these people they're not cool with this shit they just accept it like they're drinking the kool-aid already with this guy and that's also another thing that i think was very bold for them to put into this comic book is this kind of cult mentality i feel like i feel like in a lot of ways this is kind of like a slice of you know cobra is really bad. but the real world is actually worse. We just want to remind you about that and also remind you that Cobra is a terrorist organization in case you guys have any like, you know, thoughts about that or misgivings about that. Um, and I feel like it's even more poignant now if I've read some of Larry Homer's, um, you know, Facebook posts where he has actually said, it always surprises me when people come up to him and tell him how much they love Cobra and stuff like that, you know? Mm. Um, I'm paraphrasing people. Um, I know it's a lot more than that, but you know he, he tried his best to try and make Cobra seem like real villains. So, yeah, Rob, I'm curious on your thoughts, man. I haven't heard anything from you. Well,
2: I was very curious that we were actually going to do an entire episode about this. Like, I'm, 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 am I'm trying, I'm, I'm silently listening to you convincing me why we need oh. a whole episode for this issue. Um. <laughs> I mean, it's a fascinating issue. I, 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 I quite enjoyed it. But yeah, it, it is kind of like an, an, an anomaly in the run of, of G.I. Joe where you're not focused on the fight of G.I. Joe versus Cobra. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's even from just the second page, there is cool foreshadowing, especially from, like, the wife, where she is a bit, like, down on, like, what her husband is doing right now. Like, you don't have to use live fire. Um, you know, they've only been here for a week or so. But like you know it can kind of there's a bit of pushback from her um mm. and i i like that through the scripting you do have an idea that she will there's a possibility if you're paying attention there's a possibility of um what she's going to be doing later in, in 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 the issue where she kind of like turn fully turns on her husband but it's it's cool as well because especially early on you do get kind of the setup of like why are these guys you you don't know why they necessarily are so willing to do what they're doing but very soon we're gonna get the the reason for why they're why they are drinking the Kool Aid, as it were, so easily because they have their families there too. This guy encourages yeah. the people to bring their entire families with them to these to this retreat. And well, that's what Cobra does as well, you know. So yeah, so it it just yeah, but overall, it's and, a very interesting issue, and I'm, I'm glad we are actually taking a, a deeper
1: look into it. And on the next page, Steve, like this is absolute art. I. <laughs> love this! It's so clever. I love this transition. We have got the side of his head. We're going deeper in, deeper in, and we see a shadow. And then we got a call for the lights to switch on. It is so cinematic. I love that transition. And it's and that's another thing I love about this issue in particular. This could be a movie. This could this could be a, a, a maybe a GI Joe live action you know TV series. This could be the first three-parted you know the the first pilot you know before we even
0: introduce Cobra. Uh, this could have been... And it, an interesting- it could be done on a very tidy budget. I mean, apart yeah. from the aerial stuff, which if you're really tight, you could do uh, as just radio work. Yeah. You know, hawks kind of on the radio. I've got Carothers in sight. You know, trying to down the B-29. But yeah, this all happens in one camp. A uh, little bit of action, a little bit of espionage, a little bit of fisticuffs. I mean it's, it's brilliant it's a bottle episode yeah it's so
1: cool it is so 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 cool and i can't believe how much i love this issue like i really i can't, I, I kick my i kick my younger self yeah sorry <laughs> i mean i'm apologizing but i'm actually not sorry i'm i'm it's cool to find something like this it just found like such, it feels like such a diamond in the rough uh for me and you know, as we go through this book, I mean, just the page, like I said, the, the page layouts and stuff are fantastic. Um, they, they're just really well done. They're very cinematic for me. I also love the next shot where we have Hawk talking and then trans—and and it's cool because it's like, let's go. I want you gear packed and ready to get in 10 minutes. Get the, and then as we get to let out and it's like, he's there in the camp and it's like, it's such a good transition. And then mm. there's like little a things visual like match. a visual match. And then later on a lot of, I think a lot of ideas for what Cobra could be on a grand scale was sort of, you know, borrowed from ideas that came into the creation of this issue as well, because bringing in the families is like bringing the families into Springfield. You know, you got Springfield, a lovely little town and you got all the, the Cobras and crimson Gods and all that stuff living there. And they have their families there. And ov- obviously Cobras, you know, you know using surveillance and all kinds of crazy stuff on them as well and they're also like in a sort of cult-like mindset and they're also very mccarthyist where you know they're calling out on everybody's behavior around them and it's very very cool and uh i feel like that's there and then also this intel this footage comes from an fbi agent so if we are to read between the lines that fbi agent was either killed or something because how mm-hmm. did this guy not know he was infiltrated by an FBI agent? If, I mean, surely he would have seen his numbers drop and things like that. So it also, so if he wasn't killed, then he managed to get out. Then it shows you this guy isn't as disciplined, or his military doesn't quite have the discipline that it should have, which also, again, shows why he's paramilitary. He doesn't have true military discipline going through it. There's no honor system going through there. It's fear. Sorry, Steve. You wanted to say something, and I completely steamrolled.
0: You. Oh, I just, I just figured if, um, if someone had been murdered in this camp, then there would probably be less of a clandestine infiltration. Like that, they, they would be able to legitimately, um, make arrests and oh, conduct an investigations. So, no, I think everything's kind of above board at this point. Like, mm. it is enshrined in the Constitution of the United States of America that you can bear arms. So these guys are just, you know, flexing their constitutional rights to have a camp in the woods with lots of guns. <laughs> mm.
1: And then he, I love, like, as we get into the page with the training and you've got this guy talking. And so you got, and, and this is a great contrast that happens in this page. Um, it's uh grunt talking to hook, uh, to hook, to Hawk, <laughs> 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 And he's got this, the entire camp is enclosed by... Uh, hurricane fencing topped with barbed wire, et cetera, et cetera. But the cool thing is there's a reinforced a guard tower at every corner and another one. And then it's just like did you pace off the intervals between the floodlight masts. That's very cool because that is like okay, yes, you're working out distance based on, on your own movements, on your pace, on your um on your your gait and things like that. That's that's actually quite smart. That you can hear that's like mili- uh, that's military experience that Larry's got that has come into this where, and then it's, it's juxtapositioned by this guy, like a real clown going, move out, you know, like, you know, pretending to be all soldier. And he's like, keep it moving. Stop while being exposed like that and fire. And you're going to be dead. It's like, yes, he's right. It's just the way that those lines are delivered. And maybe, maybe I'm making too much of a thing out of it here, but it does feel like somebody playing army. And, It does read that way and it's clever and i I, i've i want to believe that larry scripted it that way um to make it feel that way to make it feel like this guy's a complete cheese ball and so that anybody who's actually served and been in the service reads this and goes yeah this guy's a cheese ball you know uh at least that's my feeling i don't know am i reading into this too much guys
0: i'd be curious to see what veterans would make of of this this kind of instruction like i feel like it evokes all the cheese ball if you want to call it that drill instructors we've ever seen portrayed in the me- in in the media um but within those portrayals there must be a sliver of truth uh am i'd wager that there's a lot of like resonance to real drills mm-hmm. uh, from from mr wingfield well this whole this whole, like, don't
1: stop uh, to help your buddy crap. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely bullshit because that's not his, how it works. His
0: floundering will draw fire. Well, look, we might not know the ugly side of these kind of tactics. This is I also mean, true. It's mean, it's, it's a sacrifice of someone who's already perhaps injured um, and that might save the units. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, the only... Yeah.
1: The, I mean, okay, so this is something... And I'm going to make an interesting parallel for you guys. Um, in Karate Kid, <laughs> okay, um, there's this, and, it's, and it does relate to this issue. He's got strike first on his on his hat uh, in the opening page. Um, in Karate Kid, it's strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Okay, and that is Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai exactly. And that is. Uh, you know, the, the whole situation there is, this is a guy now who has been in the military and he has for all intents and purposes been, let's just say, I don't want to say abused by the military, but he's, that was like the biggest moment in his life and the biggest, strongest moment in his life. So he's carrying that through and he's carrying it into the training with these, with these students and things like that. And that's interesting because that has served him and he's got a very strong way of doing it. Um, but If I look at like
0: credentials, though, wouldn't it be ironic if he actually never served? No, he does. uh,
1: What Uh, you mean, Wingfield? I don't think Wingfield has served personally. Okay, that—that's a feeling I get. That—that's actually what I'm getting at. It's like I don't think he's actually served, and so that's why he's putting on this whole hardcore machismo act. act. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to 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 drum up this drama for his people because, like, if I look at my training in my school, for example, we do have that. But we joke about it. We are joking with it, you know. We we're very playful with the whole, you know, being hard thing. But when it comes to pushing and motivating a student, we push and motivate the student, you know? And we've actually had guys in our school that were ex-military and they used to also do crazy stuff like close all the doors and windows and then make people do, and switch on the aircon, and the heaters on in the class for guys to do low altitude training and stuff like that, because they were just being doses. But the the thing is. But these guys, they were in the military and they did stuff like that because that's how they knew training and whatever. But they, it was never like, they weren't serious. They weren't like sitting here like some kind of, para, like some kind of organization telling these like kids who are essentially learning Kung Fu, like, listen, you know, you're going to die. You know, <laughs> like you're going to die in the street. You know, like the enemy has no mercy, you know, like. All those kind of shit. They're like they would just be like funny about it. It'd be like, hey, listen, this is something we did in the military. You guys might enjoy it. So that's what we're gonna do today. So enjoy, pucker up, buttercups, kind of thing, and go. And it's it's interesting to see the juxtaposition there. It's like these are people that have really served. And again, okay, mind you, I'm just want to put a disclaimer out here. South African military in the early 90s and 80s, those dudes were a bit nuts, eh? I'm I'm not saying it's there's no disrespect. Those guy's are a bit nuts. And um, yeah, I think uh you know, so please don't judge the military, South Africa based on that little story or something that I've mentioned there. But yeah, it's just this, again, this thing that I'm, as I'm reading this book, I'm seeing this guy is just a complete clown. He's just making shit up. He's just, you know, he's got this control. He's obviously being played by somebody much bigger than him. And this is where it opens up the doors once again for Cobra. He's got this old military hardware as well. And then we get to something that I also think is quite interesting. And it's something that's very, very rare in the entire G.I. Joe run. And it's on page six, Steve, um, which is Snake Eyes. And we actually hear Snake Eyes' thoughts.
0: Very elegant something... handwriting. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah.
1: It's got great penmanship. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I love well,
0: his
2: turning. i through to the final issue of, uh, of the run as well. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: yes. It's very that's difficult, difficult to read. <laughs>
1: The interesting yeah, thing it is... Yeah, close that, up
0: a bit, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: I, I Listen, uh, I, I think it's very good penmanship. I think the pretending part there, there's a bit of a whoopsie. Um, but, you know, he's making notes. And he's making his notes in cursive, so go Snake
0: Eyes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> making um, his notes for what purpose? To serve as evidence after the fact? Because, like, who's going to have time to read this? I mean, they're very cleverly kind of write in a bit of a back door that the three men compare notes when they meet up later but i'm like honestly did Grunt and hawk like pour over snake eyes's <laughs> written notes hmm, nah, let's have a read th- I, think,
1: I think this is purely like deus ex machina kind of yes, thing or it's bra- absolutely breaking. Yeah.
0: just for our benefit and it's a lovely yeah. technique but you know if you think about it too hard you're going to lose your mind because of course it's, it's it's it doesn't have any Real practical uh, usefulness.
1: The one thing that it does serve, uh, that it does inform me about, is how observant Snake Eyes is. How, for example, he can tell that Hawk and Grant are holding back. You know, um, observed mm. Hawk and Grant pretending to be clumsy and slow in a most uh, in a most unconvincing manner, and it shows you mm. that he has a very high standard for for deception. Uh, which, uh, which comes from either his Arashikage training, which I imagine it does because uh, ninja training and uh, um, uh, martial arts is actually about deception, make no mistake, um, uh, or maybe it comes from his basic. And I don't know how the American military are trained. I've never been in the Amer- American military, but I imagine that there's some level
0: of, you know, being smart about how you carry yourself. Um, it does alter our perceptions of Snake Eyes from being this almost mythical spectre-like character Mm. who's sort of able to do incredible feats of like physical action. And the fact that he's mute has always kind of almost diminished his intelligence on the page because he doesn't have anything complex to add. Like other characters can express themselves with complex thought. Snake Eyes does a few hand gestures and someone kind of interprets that as a very kind of basic thought. But here we see him at like his highest level of functioning. And we see that this man, this mystery, this legend, he's got an insightful tactical mind. Mm. You know, he knows about B-29s and that they are well within nuclear strike capabilities. He (laughs) times cutting of the fence with the highest levels of nocturnal insect noise. Like, I love this is that ridiculous <laughs> amounts of detail to be putting into a journal, but it does add it, it, at this point, it's it's transcending being a journal. It's more like narration of the of the illustrations, it's giving the reader a little bit more information on what they're looking at, which is and a I lovely. I love that it's uh, not a thought bubble, yeah, yeah, well. yeah, it's yeah. it's diegetic in a sense. We're reading his notes, mm. it's in also the, it's again, not, yeah,
1: yeah, sorry, again. No, 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 no. I was just going to say, just beautiful page layouts, but uh, just to
0: add to what you're saying. Well, I guess there is some magic in having the book be a kind of an auteur book. You know, Mm. when Larry gets to do the silent issue where he's responsible for the the breakdowns and the layouts and the script, well, not the scripting, the the plot, the same thing is evident here as early as issue four. Like, Herb is the master storyteller here. All Mm. the layouts... Or something born firmly in mind by the artist. There's no external, um, I suppose, input. He has complete control over how he tells the story, which is it's lovely to see that kind of mastery. Really, really, mm. really good. It's a tribute to how good that guy was.
1: And also, like, and th- that's just uh, uh, in this page here. We've got. The uh, Snake Eyes is now in the roof, in the sort of attic-y kind of section of the roof. I don't know what that's actually called, so apologies. But, you know, he says, our very will to survive and all our efforts to that end have roused the ire of the powers that be. Um, They're spying on us even now, conspiring to stamp us out. And this is why I feel like Okay, this, is, this contradicts what I was saying earlier, like maybe he's not in that much control and he doesn't actually know what's going on, but here it sort of alludes to the fact that he th- is aware that the FBI and things have been here. So maybe, you know, maybe he's got people that are in the FBI or in the CIA or in uh, whatever intelligence agencies existed <laughs> at that time that we don't know about <laughs> that were, you know, plants for him that were feeding him this information saying, hey, listen, dude, you're being watched. You, you know, you are being observed. Uh, you have to move up your timetable, or maybe it's Cobra that's feeding him that information. It's implied that it's Cobra. I
0: just, I think at I, all at all junctures, in order to kind of root this as a GI Joe book, <laughs> we have to assume Cobra. Cobra is kind of agitating him. I, it would serve Cobra's purposes quite well to initiate war between the superpowers because that would leave a sort of a new world for Cobra to then take like, seize control of, because at this stage of the writing, it's not clear that Cobra have their headquarters within the United States. Like Mm. Cobra has undersea bases and they have bases on islands. So they are very much an external threat at this point. I mean, maybe Larry had it in mind that he was going to set Cobra domestically, but it hasn't happened in the pages of the book at this point. So, as I say, a a, a world war between the Soviet Union and the United States in this kind of early stage of the book would serve a proto-cobra very well. They'd kind of claim the ashes, I guess.
1: Yeah. uh, uh, And that's what makes it, once again, that's kind of what makes it a good movie plot as well for me. Like the stakes are there. It's it's almost a little James Bondian as well in that respect,
0: but um the other thing low budget james bond, no, like <laughs> bond. it's all, it all plays out in one camp
1: Brilliant. and it's i think it's cool man so, I, I mean everybody knows i think it's cool but it is cool and i'm loving it and the uh, the other thing the other thoughts here is uh i know that the jugglers weren't conceived as a plot device until a little bit later in the run but it could also be the jugglers, you know? I mean, if you wanted it now knowing what we know and looking back in hindsight and, you know, adding lore and whatever, the way the Star Wars guys do. A part of me also feels like it could have been the jugglers. That's just future fan. This is future fan who's read all the books, you know, um, looking back at this and going, oh yeah, it could have also actually been the jugglers. It didn't necessarily have to be Cobra, but then trying to let readers of the real American hero know that the real American hero's real era, uh, enemy is really American. <laughs> so there's also that, that's quite scary. So, but it is a thought, you know, it is something that went through my mind. I it like, could be the chocolates as well. And then, yeah, and then we're just seeing some of the hardware and nothing too crazy here. Um, but also again, here's some like cool tactics here, um, discussed with him because this is once again how we know that this guy is ruling through fear, ruling through, um, methods of control and, and all that, and not using uh, a system, an honor system or a brother band system or anything like that. Uh, he, be- he intentionally doesn't want them to pick up arms in case one of them is a traitor and turns arms against him. Um, that is in, oh, yeah. that's in the following page. He actually says like, don't, you know, the, arm the arms are stored, they're, they're locked, you know, uh, cadre leaders have your troops fall out silently and don't issue weapons. Our perimeter is too secure for this to be anything but an inside job. So he knows he's, he, he knows he can't trust his own people. Uh, again, he's very, a very complex life. character. He's a very complex yeah.
2: character, which I think is quite cool. It's, I mean, that definitely comes across. I mean, he's smart, but he's also exceptionally paranoid. He's not um, terribly well-versed in obviously military stuff. Uh, you guys have established that quite um, effectively. I'm not
0: sure. I, I, I'm not convinced of that point, to be honest. Mm. I'd like to think that he is a veteran, makes it that much more subversive. And that is, yeah. that is a real danger that these paramil- par- paramilitary groups have got veterans in their, in their number who know mm. about weapons and explosives who are actually a legitimate threat, not just a bunch of civvies playing cowboy for the weekend.
2: Well, I think that also is, that says a lot about the military service, the way that they do their best to get the best people into the into the into the armies of America. Mm. You know, you, you don't accept anyone in, into these into these these units.
1: Um, well, yeah, some might argue with you on that one, but you're right. There is supposed to be a standard, you know?
2: There's a certain yeah. standard, yeah. And then you yeah. kind of
1: weed these guys out much earlier,
2: um, so they don't actually get the full training that you would get to you know, to actually harm your own people. So it could be that maybe not a veteran, but like a a dropout.
0: And he kind of took that. These could be veterans who, when they rotated back to (laughs) domestic life, became disillusioned with the direction the government was going in, the direction the world was going in and thought, no, my skills are better served carving out a new world order. So I'm going to join these guys. There's a lot of disillusionment amongst people returning from the, the armed service and not liking what they see. Anyway, we're yeah. we talking about a toy line and a comic book. I don't want to address the ills of society. Society,
1: yes, I know. And, oh, I, and that's actually, that's such a great point that you brought up there now as well, because I think that is ultimately why Marvel and the writers of G.I. Joe didn't go too hard in this kind of direction moving forward with the book, because the world is shit enough already. I think it was more fun and I agree with the decision. uh, Ultimately, I think it was more fun uh, to make it about Cobra, to make it about something that is larger than life, um, villainous to the core and really
0: fun to shoot at (laughs) instead (laughs) of having... At the same time though, Paul, you must acknowledge that Larry's GI Joe has always been critical, at least had an undercurrent of, of criticizing politicians, uh, big yes. business suits and the military industrial complex as well. Like the Joes so are definitely- oftentimes called upon to do things <laughs> they don't want to do because people with the will but not the nerve to do it themselves have ordered them. Yep, the people with the pens. And, yeah. and, and the also politics. don't
2: forget it, why it focuses on Cobra is because that's, that's what the toys are. Of course. (laughs) This this is an advertisement for toys in the end. And I think that is obviously the the early, early parts of the run are very experimental, kind of feeling their feet, feeling their feet, you know, where they're going. But yeah, ultimately it is it's an advertisement for kids' toys. So of course you're gonna focus on on Cobra more and flesh them out even more. But it's nice to be able to have an opportunity to kind of see like what other ills and evils there are in in the world of GI Joe.
0: Can we just have a minute and address Grunt's superhuman strength. Yes.
2: He <laughs> seems to have it a lot, though. Yeah!
0: Uh, well, in yeah, the previous issue, it was Steeler. But mm-hmm. Oh, Grunt was that Steeler? Is- and Steeler, like, as we addressed in the Trojan Gambit, I don't think deadlifting the weight that Steeler had to deadlift to open those doors is particularly impressive if you crunch the numbers. But anyway, I'll step off that point and just I'm address that. <laughs> Grunt... And- it yeah. looks like he's thrown a punch almost. I know he's picked the person up, like, but by the nose and the butt and throws him. But, like, it looks like a punch that Spider-Man would make to kind yeah. of clear a room full of thugs. It's that it's kind superheroic, right? like, physical it's like action. Punch. Yeah. It's got, like, speed lines. The background is kind of issued to make just a, a white page with, like, yellow, like, energy almost
1: energy It's like it's, yeah it's, it's like know. it's a it's a it's a it's a strike it's a bowling you know it's like all yeah. the pins we'll just get so those all over the place yeah
0: th- there is still opportunity for comic book artists to flex their like superhero comic training in oh Geo- and i wouldn't Geo- want it any other way it I wouldn't want it any other way it would be so mm, boring it's, and it's the marvel way isn't it to just make yeah, it overt it's...
1: and uh, and just coming back to strength have any of you guys lifted another human being above your head before?
2: Not recently.
0: No, not recently. Yeah. I've okay. lifted ballerinas. I don't know if they count as human beings. Yeah, because they're like really thin. <laughs> <laughs> Have
1: any of you guys thrown another person before? And not using their body weight, like literally picking up somebody like this, <clears throat> lifting them over your
0: head or up well, to Well, I know your where leg, you're going like... and absolutely not. It's like that is insane. It's cock hard. Let me tell you. Okay. It is try definitely hard. tried.
1: No, not tried. I've, we've, we've done it once in a class. It was done to actually show us that, like, listen, don't try to be superhumans and pick people up. It doesn't work. <laughs> and we were, oh. dre- <laughs> we were drilled with this. And, and, and it's worse when somebody bigger than you picks you up and throws you. So that was the other side of the drill. So this sucks. This whole bottom section of this page is a lot of ow. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, Grant is one strong human being. My God. Go, Go, Grant the a um,
0: Grunt. Google Grunt. Uh, 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 oh, they, they name drop an erroneous tank that, um, mm. you know, these are the, like, hot new tanks that, that Ivan doesn't give their best buddies. Like, the tanks that Grunt and, and Hawk find to kind of tip them off that Cobra's sponsoring the Strike First initiative, that tank doesn't exist. I wikipedia mm. that that number and well it does exist it's a tank it's a very rudimentary second world war tank very shitty tank um hawk says these are russian t60es state-of-the-art in tank technology like the t60 as i say that's a world war ii tank and it's mm. yeah if you ever if you ever google it it's not very impressive so i think this is going a little bit off piste perhaps they could have like set the number a lot higher like these are t85s mm. <laughs> 2000s a <laughs> little nitpick there but yes and then like, i don't want to and
1: then i don't want to labor too much of the action sequences and stuff that happened later but, I mean, we've got Snake Eyes doing what Snake Eyes does best, sneaking up on people and, you know, choking them out and sending off messages. Um, and we've got uh, Grunt doing a cool little commander role here uh, behind a rock. He was, you know, drawing fire and Snake Eyes is climbing on the roof. And it's all good times. And then, yeah, we start getting a bit closer to the, um, you know, to the family. Uh, so, this is one that's really interesting is that, like, start arming the children. You know, like, start giving the children guns. And this is, this is where it starts getting like very Waco. <laughs> um, and, and that, you know, now they're going to use the kids and give them guns so that if the military or in GI Joe, if in GI Joe's case if GI Joe draws fire upon these people, these combatants, because they've got guns in their hands now, uh, they've essentially opened fire on children. So that gives this guy even more for lack of a better word, ammo, um, against the government and, and to sort of fuel his cause in the eyes of others. Um, so that's kind of a thing. And also because he's a coward. Smart, he's
2: yeah, he's a coward, but yeah. it's also
1: a smart tactical move for a coward to make. Yeah. So,
2: well it's a typical. So he's, it actually, a, he's actually very smart. He's a very smart guy, but I mean delusional happening.
1: at the same time. Mm. Cult leaders are like that, my dude. They, they 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 sick. Uh sorry, like I, I, I'm very like into as you guys know, I'm, I find the whole cult thing cults? very fascinating. Yeah, just because I've known people that have been in one, and wow. I, I know one in particular uh, recently that was in one, and that person has sort of, uh, well, they they reintegrating into society. It's quite interesting, um, but I don't want to go into that too much. And then we've got this cool flying scene, and I love that we're reminded that Hawk
0: is a pilot. Uh, is he the... I think it's <laughs> it more a case of like let's assume Hawke's a pilot because his codename's Hawk. Come on, mm. but nowhere must, in his file yeah. card does it make mention of aircraft training, and See, not only aircraft training, jet training, jet training, But <laughs> vintage jet training. Oh, he's like, the best of the best, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I, I'm. I really enjoy um, Mover Ruins movies. Uh, CW yes. Lemoyne, who uh, is a the United States pilots, military pilots, who, when yeah, commenting on on, on on Top Gun Maverick, saying, like, how the hell does Rooster know what to do with an F-14? Because mm. unless you have very specific training in what all those buttons, dials, knobs do, like, it is, like, it's, it is a very manual readout. So it's a very analog plane. Uh, in a digital world. So if you're trained in the the digital era of flying, like how to even start one of those planes is stupefying. Good thing he had Maverick along, but like Maverick didn't exactly have to give him a briefing. It's like, (laughs) you know what to do, dude. Run around the plane, climb up there. Anyway, my point is Hawk climbs into an F-86 Sabre. Amazing, amazing aircraft from like the Korean War era. In fact, this is, yeah. this is shortly after World War II these things kind of started becoming what went into development. This is a plane from the 1950s, right? Isn't um, it one of
1: the first supersonic
0: fighters? It Something? could go super supersonic in a dive, but it yes. wasn't okay. built to be supersonic. Yeah. So if you cool. if you're conjuring up images of this plane in your head, it doesn't have a fully swept wing. It's it's a sort of a more graceful sweep. Uh it it looks like I suppose, just a prop-driven plane's wing, but reversed. So it's, it's got a more gradual sweep. It's got a, a big open intake in the nose. So it doesn't have a pointed nose. It's, it's really six...
1: reminiscent of a MiG.
0: <laughs> well, the, the MiG-15 and, yeah. MiG and the F-86 Sabre were enemies in yeah. the, the Korean War. They were the kind of the classic matchup. Um, it's got six 50 cals in the nose. Fortunately, before, they, they were all fully loaded. <laughs> However, the radio <laughs> and the radio plane was fueled up like, mm, and yeah. ready to go. Uh, like what else like can that we say plane about was getting F-86? made. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. Like the B-29 and the F-86 would have seen service in the Korean War. And the Korean mm. War was essentially 30 years before this comic book issue. But in service today, there's a plane, that, a bomber, the B-52, which was around since the 50s. So mm. that is a 70-year-old plane. So, like, all of a sudden, if you put that into perspective, these planes ain't that old. Yeah. Like, the F-86 would have probably left service in the 70s. Um, so that's just 10 years before this. I mean, Hawk might have been, if he did do pilot training, he might have indeed been flying the F-86. It's conceivable.
1: Yeah,
0: very much so. That's what is that's the thing that's evil However, yeah, is it is. No, no. Well, no, it's fast. It's certainly going to be able to catch that that B twenty nine if Hawk had an accurate heading for it. I mean, it's a big yeah. open sky, pal. Luckily, on a radio. Luckily, Carruthers followed the coastline, so he's flying towards the coast from Montana and then up towards uh, towards Canada. Like he's, he's following the coastline before then flying across the ocean the problem however i did crunch the numbers the b29s range to get from like the most western border of montana to vladivostok that's a real stretch uh, i would wager that like unless you have some very favorable tailwinds you're not going to make it however you're definitely not going to make it if you first fly north and then fly west. So this plan, look, it was always going to be a one-way trip for old Carruthers. I don't know if people necessarily reading this comic book would realize that it's a suicide mission for him. That's why he's kind of a, a grim character. Like he's going to basically drop the bomb, run out of fuel, and then crash into nuclear wasteland. Yep. Yeah. And Maybe it was just See. going to be a kamikaze drop
1: once again, very dark overtone for this book and something that really stands out as quite, you know, significant in the But run. since he was
0: never going to make it anyways, it's all moot. I mean, he didn't have the range to make that trip. You could,
1: you could almost argue that him not making it is almost worse because he's got a nuclear
0: payload. You know, like, I mean, again... Okay. One, one man alone flying a very complex vintage bomber... With a very complex weapon on board, and doing all the navigation himself, like superhuman, it makes for great comic book reading. But honestly, he needed a crew.
1: Yeah, agreed. And uh, on the on the next page, on the I think it's page 17, 16 or seventeen. 17? Yeah, seventeen. Uh, I've got there's this panel. There's two panels in here. I uh, three panels in here. I absolutely love the one. I think would Roy Lichtenstein.
0: make Roy Liechtenstein. Very Roy <laughs>
1: Lichtenstein. Uh in fact, I love that Raptor Tata hat uh with uh, the guns on the F eighty six. Dude, that uh that is a t shirt. Uh I just think that's so cool. And then uh mm. the, the that shot with the plane sort of going down and Hawks like, jump, Carruthers, jump, you know. Um in the
0: middle of the Atlantic, not the Atlantic. This is wow, this is like what sea is this i know it would be the pacific but we're far so north sea. of that and these clouds mm. are so
1: beautifully rendered i actually want to do studies on these clouds anyway um the, <laughs> the that shot of the the, the plane going down is so cool i love the shapes there and how the lines sort of intersect with each other and it's, it's a very it's it once again this this issue is so cinematic um, and I can really see that on widescreen playing out so slowly with this like very sad kind of music this like, you know, like these minor chords coming like very,
0: you know, as the, you plane know, kind of heels over and descends yeah. <laughs> into the ocean. Well, if you know Herb like I know Herb, you know that he loves drawing planes. I think he made his, his, fir- his first uh, jobs as, as a, an illustrator was drawing schematics for aircraft. I think just, <laughs> let me well, not speak I out mean, of turn here, but like yeah, you can see it in the way he renders the B twenty nine at all angles and the F eighty six at all angles. Like he has a so innate understanding of these shapes. i um, perhaps he had models of each to work well, off of. I'm
1: sure he did. If he was a plane enthusiast, he probably mm-hmm. did have a lot of models. And there's some good design just um, artistically on the plane itself. I mean, I know that the pan- people argue that the panels aren't correct or whatever but I do like the artistic sort of use of the lines to break up any tangents and things happening there so that the plane's got a more solid form. What is
0: this incorrectness <coughs> Speaker of, Paul, for the lay person? On what the hull?
1: <laughs> um, no, not the hull, the fuselage. Sorry, it's a plane. Um, on the main fuselage where the cockpit is, you've got a line that um, splits the upper and lower section of the fuselage, and then you've got these vertical lines that intersect them. And then you've got these smaller little squares that sort of subdivide those lines um like i'm not familiar with the like i i can't visualize this plane in my head now and see all the panel lines and things like that but when i look at the way that it's been rendered here he's got enough detail here to tell me that this is a real plane that nobody was being lazy in the way that it's illustrated and that there was some good design thinking here just to maintain the solidity of the, plane, the plane's form very there clever. would have
0: been scribe lines or panel lines all over the B29. It's not a smooth, exactly completely smooth cylinder. But you know, to find a camera that would be able to photograph them at this distance, it's impossible. Like, you just and see a silver that... glint, but yeah, it's it's nice, if authentic if it, if it choice. Like a silver cylinder it would be far less interesting. Like, these exactly. lines make it look technical, make it look Kirby esque, which is another herb influence.
1: Yeah, well, you got those, that um spotting of black that's happening here. That's beautiful. Anyway, oh. we're getting into the into the weeds of the <laughs>
0: of the, the inks the odd... on the the F eighty six during the rat-a-tat-a-tat with this thick black <sighs> so bold. Cool. It is know, cool. It's cool. So anyways, in, is not it's beautiful, not great radio right now. Let's talk more right, about yeah, we, and less about we, art. We, and then we got the, this. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, amazing you go to first. me how much story is packed into this book. Because then mm-hmm. we have the Joes arriving, the face turn from Sherry, which is you know, very kind of deliberately, like, broken up over the panel lines to her pulling out the gun. The Joes are arriving. The gun is leveled. We don't know at what. Like, she's going to shoot the mutineers. No, she's going to shoot Wingfield in the back mm-hmm. twice, blam, blam, which is, it, maybe it would have been better if With that was a Sorry, just,
1: mm, is it? No, it's not a Springfield. I'm being cheeky. It's it's just a cult.
0: <laughs> yeah, a Springfield, Sorry. a sniper rifle. Anyways, um, yeah. it might have been more effective on the page turn, but I mean, look, it's it's pretty much telegraphed at that point, perhaps. Because um, Sherry oh, it's has
2: set up for you.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you kind of, of feeling morning. the
2: tension. Yeah. Obviously, a page turner would work much better, but you kind of like feel the tension as you are looking through each panel
0: which I quite I, enjoy. I I
1: read it as uh, that she was going to open fire on the Joes initially, and then the blam happened, and I was like, wait, did she just shoot him? So it worked on me.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, yeah. but I mean, but it's cool because like, as I said, it is kind of set up at the start at the top of the story. You know, there's mm. that little character moment where she's like, are you sure you should be doing this? Like, um, you know, they're just, they're just people
1: learning the ropes. You know? Hmm. And yeah, ugh. and then we got him nervously shaking now.
0: Uh, sorry, but I've, this I've is done it. Like, yeah, I was like, <laughs> we got, yes. Like, so nervously so, shaking. Vance has the second device buried on the premises, and this was his master plan to if blow them all up. Yeah, exactly. Make a kind of a, a, a martyr of this organization which speaks to his delusion because I don't think anyone would really take up their cause or <laughs> make the assumption that the Soviet union had, had attacked the United States. I don't know. It's, it's pretty, um, touch and go hokey, spurious. It's pretty out there. at this point. But it's but great. Like,
2: the entire issue is it's, 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 it's really tight, you know, like you, the setup, the exploration, um, and then the escalation of action as it goes along. It's just a really tight issue.
0: Nail-biting. Somehow Hawk is able to redline that F-86 from Canada back to Montreal, <laughs>
1: <laughs> And still like has f- fuel. Or our
0: I mean, flight. Like- but the bomb, they find it. They bring it up. The time is ticking by. And we see Grunt do some superhuman lifting this time where did Steeler go? Did he kind of... I guess you want to play to the um, the key characters from this issue. Grant, Hawk, Snake Eyes. And between the three of them, it's Grant who is... who kind of steps up to the plate and holds the detonator, lifting it clear as um, Zap burns through the spokes that hold it in place. Yeah, nail-biting stuff, uh, like a push-in of the camera into Zap's eyes as the beads of sweat roll down his forehead the countdown it is you keep saying it and i keep coming back to it it's cinematic in its mm-hmm. approach uh, the self-contained issue it's very very well paced and plotted um, speaks to a very kind of deliberate okay this is the story i'm going to tell it's going to have no flab on either sides it's going to be one issue all the thrills all the pace all the setup all the payoff and then clear the slate for the next issue. Yeah. I kind of miss this kind of writing in GI Joe. Really do.
2: Yeah. Well, and I, I think we're just so used to, um, <clears throat> yeah, Monster of the Week episodes, where you kind of are getting to know the characters as you go along, but it's not like this super deep um, setup, you know, long t- term setup of stuff. Essentially, you could pick up any issue and just enjoy that as a standalone thing. It's it's like yeah like like CSI or Law and Order you know you get to know the characters but each and every single episode is its own self-contained story.
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, also let's just like not shake too much of a. Oh, I want to say shake a stick at, but the bravery that is shown by these uh, by these guys is just it's nothing to shake a stick at. Man, these guys are like. <laughs> That's, that's I, what I would I was never with these guys. Yeah, no, good, don't. Because... I'm not <laughs> but, like, The thing is, like, they're dealing with a nuclear device here. They remove the, you know, the one plate. I mean, that thing could have been cracked or whatever. It could have been, you know, full of radiation. They could have had radiation poison. And they just go and they just do it. And that, that shows you, like, that's also another difference. The GI Joes are willing to sacrifice themselves for something bigger than them, for an ideal bigger than them. And I love that that comes across in this issue as, once again, another juxtaposition to um, Wingfield's whole, you know, people are self-sacrificing for a goal um, where it comes to hurting people. And the Joes are self-sacrificing when it comes to saving people. They understand what it means to save people. And I think that's very cool. And I think there's there's a great line that's here in the very end of the book. And it's, well, Clem, looks like they're moving in some real soldier boys up to the old Wingfield place. And that shows you that the whole um, area, you know, that um, that region knew that these guys were playing military, you know, and <laughs>
0: and weren't like for real. That they were a bunch of clowns. So, <clears throat> though yeah. it's it's with some almost regret that the the, the, the real soldier boys moving up to that place because they're going to have the the liquor prices go up the sheriff's going to be setting up his speed trap and you've got to keep a close eye on your women folk. It's like, Oh geez, real soldiers. (laughs) That that brings real problems. It's a bit of a wag of the finger at like, I suppose privates recruits and a culture that that brings into a
1: small town. And that each, and that both sides, both sides need to be disciplined. Or when I say both sides, that discipline is an important thing. And you know, anyway, that was uh, <laughs> issue four, Operation Wingfield, uh, with a lot of depth <laughs> and a lot of scrutiny and a lot of uh, picking apart, and I'm really happy we did that.
0: Uh, do I even have to? The postbox, The Pit. This is the first book in the era run to have a letters page.
2: I didn't, actually.
1: Uh, I didn't, because I, read this, I actually read say? this issue in my graphic novel. So, oh, very okay. good. Yeah.
0: Well that's oh, the very problem good. with this graphic with <laughs> those graphic novels. They don't okay, they don't have the, the ads, which I delight in reading in the kind of the original um, comic book form. But also Postbox the Pit, such an essential part of the reading journey of a, of an issue of G.I. Joe. Uh, I guess it's not possible to reproduce those letters. maybe, maybe it's a, a Marvel's publishing thing. Like if the If it's IDW printing the book, they can only print the book. They can't print the ancillary material. But it's a a nice window into the opinions of the readers at the time. And what is impressive, particularly with this letters page, because oftentimes the letters pages in these early books are just responses from kids, which is wonderful that kids are reading this. But like these letters were all written based on issue one and were written by what seems to be mid to late teens or even adults, because the first letter is written by a serving member of the armed forces congratulating the book on its like military accuracy.
2: Yeah. No, I just read it right, right now. It's what is
0: astonishing is like issue one was still pretty far out there mm. in terms of hokiness, but I guess was accurate enough for it to be in sharp contrast to what had come before. Like, perhaps comic books always got the armed forces wrong to this point, with exceptions. I think, you know, there was obviously the, and the movies as well, mm. um, Yeah. But like, this isn't S.H.I.E.L.D. This mm. isn't guys with, like, jetpack belts and helicarriers. Like, there's a level of groundedness to G.I. Joe that perhaps was refreshing in 1982. And this was part of that new wave of, like, stepping out of the shadow of the army being a dirty word or the military being a dirty word from Vietnam to, like, suddenly injecting some patriotism back into the service. And G.I. Joe was really leading the charge in this. And one of the letters does speak to that. It's an interesting turning point in history. And G.I. Joe was kind of at the forefront of it.
1: Are you referring to this slide, uh, to this paragraph where uh, the guy says, "Uh, "Your series has the potential to bring back some pride in ourselves and our strength as a nation." I commend you for this worthy project and the excellent ideas behind it. Bingo! Yeah, beautiful. Very cool to read that. Uh, I find this uh, quite interesting. Here is when um, the this uh, one guy from Harlem, New York says uh dear tom gi joe one had it all good scripts blah 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 but then he gets to this two he gets very technical and this is such a comic book fan thing the baxter paper <laughs> the book was printed on everybody <laughs> i know who bought it was really impressed with it i mean with their paper right i mean this is this is when people actually appreciate it like stuff like that it's, it's great and then yeah. you have a lot what? of possibilities with this new title i hope you won't make cobra an always present enemy like Hydra was in nick fury and that is kind of the mistake that the book that well, i want to say mistake but sorry um dude from holland new well, york
3: <laughs> well well
2: it's <laughs> something know, or or holland, i york. mean
1: the first guy points out too is that he hopes yeah. to see them
2: do say un- humanitarian missions um and not just being a counter-terrorist unit not just focusing on, on cobra but the thing is yeah sorry it's it's a toy it's a toy coin book it inevitably <laughs> will focus on its its main villain uh, yeah, I think, yeah, you. they they definitely lost Harlem, York, very early, uh, eventually.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm think he's stuck around to read, issue 300. Yeah, <laughs> I got a feeling he didn't. Maybe, maybe maybe he's like a big banker now or something. Yeah, but anyway. Could be. It's cool to see, like, how we can relate to some of these fans as well um, in the latest page. I actually feel like this should maybe be a section uh, for an episode at one point where, Word. You know, we go through some, like, as after we've done a few episodes Word. of this, we actually oh, maybe, sure. yeah, as we go through this, I think it would be a good practice for us mm-hmm. to earmark um, some letters pages that have a letter really or two cool. on them that we like and maybe collect them for a future episode. I think that could be quite fun. Uh, I have us, to admit, were, it was
0: always part of my essential reading of the issue is to pore over the letters page as well, because it was fun to see what people of the time thought of the issues. And then go back I like to it the that too. Yeah, It's something that just doesn't happen anymore. We turn mm. to social media. We don't write the publishers. Larry is quick to, to lament the fact that like in the 80s, they had buckets of mail spilled out onto the floor that he'd go through meticulously, each and every one response, pick out a few and put them in the letters page. And this mm-hmm. dwindled to like a handful of emails. Or I wouldn't be surprised if there's sometimes entire months where no one emailed IDW mm. for GHO. It's it's entirely possible.
2: Well, well it's not in our culture to do it anymore. It has because mm. of social media. We have moved on um, from this kind of like speaking as it were um, through letters pages. It's a thing of the time. Um, and yeah, it's just... But a, there's it's a maturity. To,
0: The, the no. amount of effort that you'd have to go through to post a letter. Yes. Versus how easy it is to send an electronic message now. Like how has this disappeared from our culture it's easier than ever the fact that someone wrote marvel to basically just just have like a couple of words dear editor re gi joe number one great can't wait till number two matt Maninario. <laughs> <laughs> 225 new new york new york hey he, that's all he wrote incredible you know he uh, like, needed a postage stamp for that. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Unless but, he hand-delivered it, which, okay, if he is in New York, perhaps he just walked to the Marvel offices and, and hand-delivered it. And dropped it in their post box. Yeah. yeah. Amazing.
1: The thing is, uh, I, and I've said this to Celia as well, um, and, and I, I'd be very curious to hear what our listeners have to say about it, and obviously I'm very curious to hear your thoughts, James, but there right. is power in writing a letter. Uh, if you... Uh, have an idea, for example, uh, about something that, you know, maybe you're working in a company or whatever, and you have this really, really great idea, or you have words and you don't want to go through all the red tape, writing a letter to a person that is in an important position will force them to read that. And they will appreciate and respect the effort that has gone into writing them a letter. It is still a very powerful means of communication. And... Uh, I've, I've actually found that, I mean, think about it, guys. Uh, if you take your significant others, for example, and you wanted to do something like romantic or special, whatever, a lot of the time, you take the time to actually write it down on a paper that you can fold up and hide somewhere or sneak into, you know, onto the the dining room table or something as they come home and they see this letter or something. You know what I mean? You, you try to be like smart and, and whatever, but a letter is the way to go because a WhatsApp and an email is just a throwaway thing. And that is like you guys are saying earlier, it's, it's so sad that people don't write letters, that they don't take the time to actually distill their opinions onto a page and really give some thought and really have that conversation with themselves in their heads. Now it's just like, I have a thought, da-da-da-da, tweet, bang, fart, it's out there, you know? And you mentioned now, like, IDW probably went months without getting an email. Yeah, that's true. But they probably went for months with horrible tweets, uh, always telling them, oh, this is so shit. Oh, I hate this. This character's hair shouldn't be brown. Oh, no, 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 no. They probably just get vitriol, vitriol, vitriol all the time. So that's the sad thing. Letters definitely help to prevent that. Or should I say mitigate it? So that's my two cents on it anyway. Um, Mm, It's easy
0: to to chuck some anonymous negativity using social media. It's far far less easy to, like, write a long-form email and make it full of vitriol. You kind of will, Mm. hopefully, uh, will censor yourself or or mitigate your own words, make it more conversational, more something that someone will want to read in the pages of the comic book you're writing to. I have a little fun um, Easter egg to throw in front of your peepers, gentlemen, because on the back cover of this issue, there is a commercial for Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back video game cartridge. No way. Battle Home. And it uh, depicts uh, Imperial Walkers being assaulted by, well, having some some snow speeders zip past the Imperial Walkers. That's a very exciting little. Sequence, cool artwork. But take a look at those snow speeders. Mm. Do they look like the film snow speeders from Empire Strikes Back? No. No, They're no, They're based way. on the
1: prototypes, aren't they? That's
0: very good. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, big stars. I, man. I think those are the <laughs> Ralph Wolf MacQuarie. Yeah. 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 The concepts, um, air speeders. They were single seaters, and the reason I know this is because in no the late nineties yeah. they did yeah. a uh, a concept series of vehicles. Uh-huh. Does this ring any bells? So cool! Such a cool line, yeah. such cool design. Oh, did you buy any of those? Sadly, not because yeah. I never saw them here,
1: dude. Ah, oh, no. Well, Rob,
0: you will remember that mm-hmm. airspeeder because I, I had yeah. it. Hey. It's beautiful. It's I just so like cool the game game that game gonna,
2: they got around to doing that.
0: It's just weird to me that it exists, though, because surely this video game cartridge and its associated art would have come out after the film? Like well, the, the film came in Atari... out in 1980.
2: This is mm-hmm. 1982. Mm-hmm. But it could be that the the, the, the the promotional art and stuff that, that, that they were
0: looking at was... Older, yeah, they just happened to use a a Macquarie like pre-production sketch. Yeah, and then just
2: yeah, kind of based on that. It is weird, though.
1: So we were talking about letters earlier, right? And uh, I remember. So um, it depends on how close the ad agency was to the artist who did this stuff, because the artist would then render these artworks, the roughs. Then – and, guys, I, I'm sorry if I'm ignorant here. I don't know if we had fax machines in the early 80s. I think we did in 82. Sure. Maybe we did. So maybe he went and faxed this over for approval. And, and they couldn't in the, see it and, on, and they couldn't see it properly. Or he mailed through a Xerox, a, a photocopy. And then, you know, because it was like, oh, my word, you have to get it done quickly. It was a phone call to say – oh yeah okay this is really good uh yeah okay it's fine just take it to final and then you know the artist was probably like okay but i've got this concept art and they're like yeah yeah it's the right concept art whatever so this was a communication error i think because of how timelines had to be managed and how much shit had to be like logistically moved back and forth remember hasbro always had the benefit of um the stuff in Tucket, you know in the toy in the in the in Hasbro side, they were getting a lot of uh the, a lot of artists were kind of dealing directly with them, and then in Marvel, you know, they were at least getting like huge packages, or they were creating a lot of stuff there and then sending it off. And so this, I think, this is just crazy management. And also, what guys, is- make Atari mm-hmm. were, were shit. <laughs> like I love <laughs> Atari. Like I, I, there's a lot of things that you need to know about Atari, and they were really shit when it came to managing stuff. Uh, I mean, they were like they were making games and they were forcing people to make to build build these games in like two months, you know And and just getting stuff happening really really quickly all the time all the time It's actually why we had the video game crash in 1983. So yeah um, That's paraphrasing it in a big way, but yeah, very cool spot Stephen like I, I Don't think I would have like just noticed that
0: offhand I, know, had I, just I happen to have the edition? toy i guess and that's that's where it stands <laughs> for me but look in <clears> the <throat> era of special editions and constant tweakings of star wars and like the acknowledgement that the star Wars universe and its vehicle uh plethora was far vaster than like what we saw in the original trilogy. I mean, the original trilogy was limited by how many models they could hand build. Very expensive and time-consuming process not only for design, but also for the, 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 the manufacture, the materials making these mm. damn things. So, maybe there were other craft used by the rebels for the Battle of Hoth. Maybe these were them. These airspeeders. Well, well,
2: they did say say that they struggled to adapt them to the
1: cold weather, so. Is that? um, Also, I I kind of go down the rabbit hole. It's a
0: pretty generic term. It's ubiquitous. Like, it could have been the speeders. It could have been what we know as the snow speeder, which must have just been a speeder before they adapted them to the cold. They weren't called snow speeders. They have a designation, I think, the T6, whatever, T6. Something or other. It is kind of T-46 fascinating, though. You can
2: fly things in space, which is like super cold. But why is it so difficult <laughs> to adapt things to the cold of a planet?
1: Oh, uh, dear. probably because of uh, probably because of particle uh, particulates in the, uh, in the oh, atmosphere. Particleicles.
2: Yeah. So, guys, do I even have to ask? Do I even have to ask? This book obviously gets a, a, a clear five from all of us. I mean, we spent an entire episode talking about it.
0: I mean, no. Wow! Oh, wow!
1: Presenting
0: opinion. <laughs> no, because I need to remain true to my, at least some of my Hoist initial system. appraisal of this issue. Because we're not, we're not hoisting every issue of, of the original run onto a pedestal and giving its own episode. No, obviously
2: not. I have the, to remain is the third issue and the fourth issue so far.
0: I have to remain objectively subjective. <laughs> you know, like when I read this initially, it didn't stand out to me, and I think. It still doesn't because it is dealing with not even an army of of villains for GI Joe to take down. It's one it's on the real world who gets <laughs> who gets shot in the back by his wife. Uh, GI Joe's involvement in this is kind of a little bit irrelevant. It's a little bit like it could be anyone. It could be any enforcement agency. Like this isn't a specific GI Joe. I, I don't know, my my point is
2: You feel like they're more effective than needed when they're fighting bigger armies, so it's the size of the army that matters
0: mm, I, can't, I can't quite put a finger to it but I feel oh. like, like this is, if you look at issue number one that is G.I. Joe being used surgically for their the precise role the right tool for the role, job, the right okay. for the job. Yeah. I don't know if this is that and while it has some cool character beats and certainly seeing a bit of insight into the way Snake Eyes operates is cool and the aerial stuff is cool. And of course, the stakes, like this is the highest stakes of that early run. It's perhaps mm. the highest stakes of all G.I. Joe. It's like yeah. nuclear Armageddon is, is, mm-hmm. is the balance here. Yeah,
2: Kerber just forgot they had nukes after this
0: it's an elegantly <laughs> yeah, exactly they should have just been farming them out to crackpot terrorists everywhere if this was their end goal uh, someone would have pressed the button and succeeded um <laughs> i i guess this issue just i mean for all its elegance and its plotting and, and technical stuff that i can admire now it's just not what i want from my ultimate favorite gi joe story Wow. Okay. So it can only be a four out of five for me. Incredible. Which is high praise from Stephen, actually.
2: It is actually. I mean.
1: Yeah, considering that this whole lot, uh, this whole series has got it has, has got a very high bar, actually. Four oh, out of I, five is I, I, st- I still
2: give it a five. I think it's a it's a fantastic issue overall. You guys convinced me. Oh, <laughs> I mean, wow. Yes, it's, it's very great. It's not, not generic, but I mean, it's very focused on what it's, what it's trying to tell. And it makes you think. I mean, it made us think enough to do an entire episode on it. I think that that definitely makes it a very good issue.
1: I uh, the, uh, I, initially wanted to throw in these cool little balls and stuff while we were doing the, the chat, but you know.
2: It's so <coughs> good. You just can't. The organic nature it, of yeah.
1: our show, being what it is. Um, sort of just took it in a much better direction than I anticipated. And I think it, it stems from the fact that... <laughs> if I, I do say so, myself...
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I was a, no, 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 a, I was a bit... Uh, no, I <laughs> wish it was belt. Like
1: <laughs> but I was actually um, kind of insecure about my opinion on this issue because I thought maybe oh. I was uh, making something bigger of this than it actually You're was. You're putting a
2: fire under your <laughs> ass
1: where there wasn't meant to be one. Yeah, exactly. You know, That's and great. so yeah. so this is quite rewarding in a lot of ways for me. I'm not gonna lie. So thank you oh. for that, guys. But uh so I didn't I, I I don't feel like I needed to make it fun because it was a really like a fun <laughs> episode. You guys were really it was, awesome. It like, yeah. I didn't have to try and <laughs> make it fun. more than don't it more <laughs> but thank you I am it. gonna throw one curveball question and this is something what if this issue ended with the nuclear weapon that they disarmed coming back from the sort of specialists and them saying this bomb was never going to go off. This thing's, yeah. What, what if that was a Mm. thing? And then we could have, yeah. And (laughs) then, and then we could have gone, wow, this Cobra organization is quite devious, you know, uh, like riling people up like that, using them that way, giving them quote unquote real nukes. So that could have been an interesting spin-off with that. And I wonder if the writing team had ever considered that. I hope I get to chat to Larry again. This is definitely something I'm going to have on a, on a notepad. <laughs> when, if we have the opportunity to speak to Larry Homer again, I would, I'd like to quiz him about some of the stuff. And if he remembers any of the conversations him and. Mr. I him, would huh? absolutely love oh. him
2: to. I mean, like I think that's something I need to get onto my bosses about.
1: Yes. Bring him here, dude. He would love it, man. I,
2: I, I think so
3: too. I, I think, the, and the
2: thing is, is he's not a GI Joe writer. He's a Wolverine writer. He's written, yeah. written tons of,
1: and Generation think, X, bro. Like yeah, if you, there you go. if you guys market him as the writer of GI Joe, Wolverine, Generation X, just to name a few, and yeah. you know, you'll definitely get me bringing my long box. <laughs>
3: well, oh, I,
2: also because like, yes, we, the, you know, the, the shows this year, all, I mean, okay, we haven't had the Joe Berg show yet, but this, I mean, the Cape Town show was very artist focused. It, and it was and, um, so good. And it was all of them. For that. No, it was yeah. absolutely. But like, I always enjoy having writers as well. Yes. We need writers. I mean, we need the creators. We have, I mean, the previous years with um FanCon before um, it got integrated into Comic Con. Um, we had writers, um, yeah, and they, or to me, they, they're the more not more interesting, but they, I like talking to the writers more than the artists, personally. Yeah, um, because that, that is something you relate to. You know? Yeah, it's it's you know, you can pick their brains more. I mean, I unfortunately know very little about art, so I can't be like, so why did you choose to shade the, this using this? And what was the technique you used to make his right leg look like a, a, a rocket launcher? I don't banana. know. <laughs> like a banana, yeah. yeah. Like, what is, the, what is the reasoning for this perspective you use? Um, well,
1: you know, yeah, no, exactly, man. Like, you want you exactly. want to get in there because writing... Gets to you, cheeky <laughs> Rob. So I think yeah, that, that, that's something.
2: That's that's a goal of mine for the next year is to convince my bosses to convince Larry helmer to come <laughs> to South Africa.
1: Well, something that I <laughs> thought was quite cool was when I was talking to Grant um from the the Nexus. You know the the guy who who created Up Limits. You know the the, mm. the comic book shop of Johannesburg, which yeah, is now like part of the Nexus. um Yeah, of Johannesburg. I mean, and guys, it was the, the comic book shop of Johannesburg. Yeah, I know for JV. sure um and grant and i were just chatting about some of the writers and stuff because they have a a show a convention that was a long-running thing and it's coming back it's called icon and Mm. they had raymond Feist at one of the icons and grant was just telling me what an amazing guy he is and how much he actually knows about south african history and how well studied he is on south african history and and that was amazing actually like like to hear that you know and then he just said, this guy is such a treasure trove of, of information and ideas and stuff that uh, they actually became friends. So Grant is actually legit friends with Remedy Feist, dude. I mean, Remedy man. Feist, the, the dude. Okay? The man. And, and, and he's not the only author that they brought in. I mean, they brought Ian Banks in uh, in the early 90s or late 90s. But in banks here, so yeah. Please convince your dudes, uh, your guys, to bring in like more <laughs> writers. We need more writers. Artists are cool. They they definitely well, like. they have They have singers. had a bunch. John Layman was here.
2: Um, uh, the guy who just finished on Avengers now. Anyway, we we're, 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 we're talking funny stuff now. But
0: uh, uh, we, we're just, we're
2: just
1: yeah. enjoying the
0: podcast. We're at the end of the show. And we're, just, we're just rambling away. <laughs> Running down the clock. But thank you for joining <laughs> us for this uh, auspicious occasion talking about oh, Operation yeah. Wingfield. Who knew we'd devote two hours? Well, okay, I suppose wow. we spoke a bit about Sydney in the top of this and he's talking about oh, comics now. Goodness. Maybe, maybe an hour crackling. 20 on issue
2: four of ARA. Is It's absolutely insane a lot while well, we're, we're blowing through the
0: end of uh <laughs> <laughs> a <wrong> one <laughs> well, yes. We, yes. speaking of we, we we're back to comics i think um in uh, episode Absolutely. 282 so yeah. we'll be doing issue five and, and oh eight. god whatever the next five yeah, Thanks uh, for the memories and whatever the shit like idw yes. does two, i think no. it's also worth mentioning 90.
1: Maybe I'm Correct. guessing on the four if, issue um, arcs. If if we Structure. could, if we could give like the amount of airtime that we've given um, the lead up to all the, the ten issues leading up to uh, episode three uh, to issue three hundred, then I I definitely feel like uh, issue four for for an hour and twenty minutes is actually a good balance. For sure. <laughs> just just putting yeah, that out we there. We ate our vegetables, uh, and now we've we've really had our. Can, yes. our dessert, and something i kind of want to mention just uh just for us to get excited about um Ooh. as we're getting to the end of the month and all that stuff it's pretty exciting the so, yes, um, <laughs> there's that um so just <laughs> a, a small shout out to greg Crockett. uh thank you so much for the the figures that you have sent uh rob and myself or rob steve and myself but uh the Figures that are destined for Rob and myself are now on the way to us, which is exciting stuff. Uh, Thank you very much, Ah. Steve, for doing the legwork and getting that to those couriers. The next thing is, thank you to uh, Mr. Ryan Sweeney. You know why. Um, I don't want to spoil it here on the show. There's something cool on its way to me as well. Uh, GI Joe flavored uh, that I'm very, very excited about. Mm. And um, the last thing is, I've got something sitting in uh, in Big Bad Toy Store uh, which is a very new G.I. Joe product. We kind of uh, mentioned that I, I've got that Destro by Mesco sitting in there. So I'm just mm-hmm. waiting for the right time and just to build up my shipping budget a bit to to ship it here. So there's some exciting stuff to talk about and to get into and, and to help us stay current with the toys because, you know, we do. And I think it should be noticed uh, noted that I did pass up on my pre-order for Rock and Roll, classified Rock and Roll. Happy. Um it was just financial considerations. It was nothing, no bearing on the figure because that figure does look incredibly good. But you know what? I'll just have to wait until everybody else can get him in September when he's meant to come out because I know a lot of people have got him early. So that's exciting as well. That's something I'm excited about. And I believe people are getting their shipwrecks. So that's Ooh. also cool. I'm hoping that happens in the next month or two for G.I. Joe Berg. And well, I yeah. people are
2: excited to get their Falcons too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I believe he's warming the shelves at the big box stores these days. Oh my god! Oh dear! That's one thank you as always needed- to our Patreon yeah. guys. Uh, yes, so you're so such I'll legends. Circle back to you in a minute, but yeah, we must uh, always um, pay tribute to the individuals who support us month to month uh, on the Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you, you so much. Um, them, and Rob thank you to the saying... guys
1: that have been buying shirts. I've been seeing yeah. some shirts that have been per GR. It's very cool. Oh, hell
2: yeah. Um,
1: that's it's all motivating to happening. Be... Yeah. I feel like I'm getting my life back so I can start drawing a little bit more. I've got some, uh, yeah, let me not say anything, but i have got some ideas for, some ideas for, it, for shirts. So, yeah. Uh, very so thank cute. you for the support guys. Thank you. Oh, Ryan, we love you too, my dude. Like, I am I want, so excited want, for that parcel to arrive, man. <laughs> I'm speaking to Ryan directly now. Dude, I'm so excited. I want Gian yeah. Jarberg underwear. Can, can, can we make that happen? <laughs> oh, actually, now that you mention it, I wonder if Spring has got those. I think they have got underpants. Yeah, for bro. And for her. Yeah. And for Yeah. Her. And Sof-
2: yeah, can, and for yeah. Okay, yeah, so socks and underwear. I need new socks and underwear. So, so for
1: her, should it that be, that be like. Should it say, like, okay, dedicated no. four-inch collector or dedicated six-inch
0: collection uh, collector, which do you think will sell better? <laughs> I think just a very strategically placed Cobra symbol. Once you see it, you cannot unsee it. <laughs> Park his tank here. Anyway.
1: <laughs> oh, my word. This is the... In a good
0: one, guys. And yeah, we're, we're back
2: at it next week again. Ah, beautiful.
0: Yes, Brilliant. Hans. We- weekly. <laughs> yo, Joburg. I oh, am. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> yo, Joburg.
3: Yo, <Jobo>. <laughs> <laughs>